Hey everybody, welcome to The Fundamentalists. My name is Elliot Morgan. I'm here with Peter Rollins, I'm a philosopher, speaker, theologian from Northern Ireland. I myself am from Florida, and I'm also a philosopher, a theologian, and a public speaker, and an author of many books, and I would love for you to check them out. Guys, we're back. Pete, we're back. We're back. I mean, it feels like we went away because we did one last week. It was my idea. We did a Q&A, and it was not... Uh, <clears throat> Good. It was I guess. not good. Or we were perceiving it to be worse than it was. But either way, it wasn't worth. It it's... wasn't worth putting out. We wouldn't put it on people. I mean, people are paying zero money for this, and uh, that was too much. Yeah, that yeah, was a punishment. Yeah. That's not what they're. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should have been paying that. Yeah. You don't. You, no one deserves that. I think the reason what led me to ultimately be like, yeah, this just shouldn't go up, is the um, the fact that uh, I don't remember anything yeah. that we talked about. Like, See, I, don't... I think sometimes Q and As are phoning it in. Like I do think sometimes, not all the time. I do I do Q and A sometimes, but I think sometimes it's like, oh, like, and who cares about thinking about a topic? Let's just do a Q and A. Yeah. It just felt like it was just phoning it in. It didn't yeah. feel respectful to the listener. The benefit of it is that you can connect us with the people listening a little more, yes. which is nice, yes. and that's a good thing because we don't do that as much. We're a little insular, but also at the same time, it's like we people people are listening. You guys are listening. Well, we could we could pretend that the topics we do are chosen by people who are listening yeah just pretend yeah, yeah, yeah. like so like samuel was earlier saying that we should do yeah uh, an episode long time on the desire listener. to think yeah long time listener samuel. um so we're talking about today the desire to enjoy thinking well and how to cultivate it and have it and this came yeah. as a result of um <clears throat> you and me hanging out which is how most of these topics come they yeah. come from us chatting and then i or you will say oh that's a fun topic to discuss and we went to a bar on thursday called residuals and it is a dive bar in studio city and we had a few drinks and started talking about this and it came to uh, the discussion was basically about how you want to teach people to want to think well yes. which is different than thinking well yeah because the first step is wanting to is that a bat great okay um what is that, what is that are you seeing things um, no, I just heard a, t -t 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 um, and I have no idea what it was, but I'm also high out of my mind. I'm just kidding, I'm not high at all. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. so what do you, what, and then, okay, okay. I'm excited, no, 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 I'm excited. I'm excited. I go, what were you going to say on then? Well, what I'm excited to talk about this, uh, Bradley Cooper's, um, uh, regression or whatever it's called. Oh, oh right, I get, I get, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, had that one locked yeah. and loaded. Well, the, uh. So yeah, we were talking about thinking and we were I was talking about how like really one of the first rules of a philosopher is not to help you think well, but to try to cultivate the desire to think. Because Aristotle, he tried to define what human beings are by saying that we are rational animals. However, the problem is uh, it's hard for us to be rational. We desire other things, probably more than reason and thinking well. We desire scapegoating. We're des we desire listening to our own opinion fed back to us by somebody else. We like tribal identities. There's lots of things that we like more than thinking well. Like comfort, basically. Like comfort, security. Yeah, security. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and also then um, also going out and partying and anything like that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I saw, have you seen the movie Idiocracy? Yes. 
I just saw it for the first time. Really? It be, it's an American classic. I feel it's like a, it should be required watching for anybody who's doing philosophy of any kind. Yeah, no, yeah. it came up it's on very Hulu. Fun. And I'd never heard of it, but I kind of guessed it was some sort of American classic. And I watched it just it's yesterday. It's a cult comedy classic. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Was, it was very, it's very so good. Stupid. It's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. But it, and this premise is brilliant. Its premise is kind of what I'm trying to say here, which is that thinking isn't that useful to us. Thinking well isn't any more that useful to us. And so the problem is it takes a lot of effort yeah. to want to think well. And, um, There's no big dividends coming yeah. at you if you want to think well. Yeah. You're not going to like invest all this time. It's like even if you go in and you go to the gym every day for three hours, at least that you know that you're going to look a certain way and you're going to be able to present yourself differently. You can't really do that with thinking. You yeah. just kind of like no one knows. And then if anybody hasn't seen it, who's who's uh, listening to this, basically the premise of the movie is a guy who is completely average and a woman who's completely average get put into hibernation by accident for 500 years. And over 500 years, the intelligence level of Earth just plummets. They have such a great way to explain why it happened to it. Basically, oh, is so good. It's basically what's <laughs> happening. But uh, yeah, it's like the, the people... Um, it, it, you know what it is to to bring everything back to Peep Show. Um, it's the line in um, <clears throat> Flagpole Sitta's song um, where he said, I've been around the world and found that only stupid people are breeding, uh, the Cretans cloning and, and feeding. Uh, and I don't even own a TV. It's a very great song. I've been listening to it a lot. It's also my new karaoke song. Well, not oh. new karaoke. It's my only karaoke song. And not only karaoke. I've never done karaoke, but if I do, it will be that song. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's basically the people who, with the lower IQs, continue to proliferate the population until 500 years later. It's just the stupidest people, laziest people, and they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a brilliant premise. And, and it, there's a grain of truth to it in that, actually, it takes a lot of effort to think, well, however, I will say this, right? I mean, because it, it can sound depressing. It's a very Freudian insight, which is that that actually you have to spark off the desire. The desire is not to think clearly. Like before you can think clearly, you have to want to. But there's lots of things that we like that we had to learn to like. Like we're drinking at the moment. Drinking beer is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Beer is not a nice taste. And we all imagine and pretend it is, but we remember the first time we drank beer. It's kind of disgusting. It's not like drinking a chocolate milkshake. Mm -hmm. It's just not as good. But we've kind of learned, for good or for bad, to like it. But that was learned, you know? Yeah. So how do you learn to do other things? Even sports. I think some sports are ridiculous. But we kind of have learned to kind of like them. Yeah. You know? And so how how does one learn to want to think well? Well, Is there a point in doing it? My question would be is if it's even possible. Because if you don't... I mean, if we are... If we're gonna go down this fun little uh, this little road, uh, like if some people on a, I would imagine on an unconscious level have no desire whatsoever to think yeah. well and to or to try to like dive into stuff. And you see these people and you meet these people, and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's great, yeah. good for them. They're usually happier, like yeah. they're and yeah. they're more well adjusted half the time. It's, so. it's one of the great uh, tragedies of life is that. Often, if you don't think that much, you're happy. Ignorance is bliss, yeah. And it may, it's totally, totally true. And so it's like you're doing this thing where it's like you're you're basically having a desire to leave behind 
your sense of comfort and security. Mm-hmm. So there is like, I think a very, there's a very uh, poetic kind of going out into the world thing that happens when you decide that you want to, or you want to try to get to a place where you want uh, to think well, but yeah, I mean, it's like, then there's, it's just like some people just don't have it. And, yeah. so, and they're going to, and they go, they enter the world and they live and then they die and they never think well, and they never like go and get, and I guess it's fine, but it's just like, there's so much, it's so fun. It's so, it's so much more fun to be like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to, I'm going to learn this stuff and challenge myself and, and, and figure out, uh, I don't know, maybe yeah. it's a sense of control too, because you're trying to like, the more you study and the more you like, or read or, or do whatever, I think there's a little bit of like, okay, now I got it. Now I got it. Now I understand. Yeah. It's also painful because sport, I, I don't like working out. I kind of force myself to do it a bit, but I, I don't like it because all I do is I work out to the point that I feel tired and then I stop. And the little I can see from the people who are actually fit is that they're able to push beyond that. They get tired, they push through that wall, yeah. whatever. But it's the same with thinking. Um, most people will only read stuff that they can understand. Uh, will only read books that are below their intellectual ability. And so it doesn't feel exhausting. Uh, what To really think well, you have to read things that, that literally kind of hurt. They're like you read two pages and you have to set it down and then you have to think for an hour. Yeah, you know, and Google and, a lot of words. Google words and, and just think it through. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that level of difficulty. So it's similar to sports and in the same way that I'll never get fit because I only work out until I'm tired. Um, again, I do think they say, yeah, the moment you get tired when you're working out and you're kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's, I guess, supposedly the point at which your body's actually going to start doing changing the way. Yeah. That Whereas that's the time I stop genuinely and be like, yeah. right, that's me. I'm done. But I'm done. I do think there's something to be said for not working out to the point that you are completely exhausted yes. because then you don't go back the next day. So it's like if you're mm. reading something and it's so dense and thick that like you can't understand anything yeah, it might discourage much, yeah. you to continue yeah so it's like there's a I think a, maybe a ladder it's almost like what would, one would call education <laughs> yeah. uh, or like how be, to properly educate somebody just yeah. step by step challenge by challenge we need that we need we, you know we should invent some sort of institution that is designed to help you think yeah that would be great to have I mean we could <laughs> probably make it um, public yeah. You know? Yeah, get people to pay for it. Yeah, some money. Get yeah. people into like huge debt for it. I mean, well, how they deal with it, how they pay for it is not my concern. Mm. We're giving them an education. Yeah, and that's priceless. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's all very true. There's some quote I read that was like, "The life is um, a good life is a process of being defeated by greater and greater things." So, like, oh, the, yeah. who is that? Somebody did I don't said know, that. But I've heard that saying. It's a beautiful thing. It's yeah, you keep. It's yeah. I mean, Beckett had a version of it where he said, "Feel and feel better." So you keep feeling. Yeah. And every time you feel, feel better. But that's not the quote you're talking about. But it's same just idea, a though. Yeah. Thing in Beckett, yeah. Yeah. There was some big person who said it. I just don't remember who it was. But um, yeah. I'm uh, coincidentally, I'm reading, listening to this book right now called uh, "The Creative Curve," and it's it's uh, the guy. It's read by the author, and um, it's probably no fault to him because apparently he was on my buddy Mike Mike Falzone's podcast yeah. or, or hung out with him or whatever because Mike recommended the book to me and I was just coming off of starting with why and now the creative curve is basically a systematic like way of going about being a productive uh, creative 
person and it's dispelling the inspiration theory or the uh, I think it's inspiration theory of creativity is what he calls it but that thing that's like you'll sit there and genius will strike you mm-hmm. and um, that's when you know you know you're making art you have to wait for it and artists are these sort of gifted whatever that da, 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 da. and <clears throat> this whole book is like nope um, they work harder and they do bet they they make they learn their craft and he like goes through all these myths about certain uh, creators like Mozart and there's this idea that Mozart was just this gifted genius who wrote all this stuff but then he like goes back and he like shows and explains that that none of that was true that all of that all Mozart did was work his ass off same with like Michelangelo and all this stuff um, and so basically the book is going, all right, you, if you want to complete this thing, you have to want, it goes back to like the wanting to do it. Yeah. And if you want to do it, then those, that want goes into action and then you make some kind of like a system around it. And it seems like it's the same thing with thinking well, where it's like, okay, cause I do feel, do you, you, you think well, you're brilliant. You're a brilliant person. Well, I don't know about that, but I'll take it. You're yeah. definitely really brilliant. <laughs> and then, but when did you like your process? I think the I hated thinking. By the way, I didn't read a book, proper book, until I was eighteen years old. Really? I left school with one GCSE, which is the equivalent of just complete failure. At sixteen years old, I I failed everything. Um, I went back to tech and failed everything for three years. Really? Yeah, and it was only when I was like tech, uh, tech, which is like a technical college where you learn more practical like trades. skills, the trades. Although I I ended up just resitting the same what we call GCSEs the same school exams and failing most of them again really and then I did a computer studies course that I just uh, I kind of gave up on and yeah so I, I I only discovered the love of thinking when I was around 20 really kind of 18 was I when feel I like that's incredibly young months. though I mean I don't think that there's many 15 year olds walking around that are like enjoy you know loving thinking i think when you're that age i think it makes sense that you would just adopt anything that you've been told and then not yeah i suppose that's true like i know some people who have always had it but that's rare that is rare and um, i definitely was a late bloomer i had no interest and had to learn it the hard way yeah you learned to push it myself yeah which i guess going back to that like the the book and like what he's oh coincidentally in terms of like the narration it's so funny because i guess the guy had the flu the entire time <laughs> and it's like it, bless his heart it's he's his content is great it's a fun book so far but um just like the way that he narrates the book it's like mike and i were joking about it and mike was like i told him he, he was like i i uh, i told him the next time he does an audiobook oh, that's fine. um that's uh that's Pete's uh phone from 1875 <laughs> um but uh he was like I told him like when he next time he does an audiobook version like not every line of the book is the most important line of the book like it's an audiobook where the entire sentence every sentence is like and then the da 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 and so it's kind of exhausting to listen to yeah. not because it's above my intellectual threshold but just because I kind of want to like I can't handle it a little bit. Oh, so I thought but, you were um, going to say it, was, it lacked charisma. But no. You're saying it's like just overflowing <laughs> Every line, It's like he was terrified that he wasn't <laughs> going to come off charismatic. So it's like if you were to just read a paragraph of like, let me see if this thing has any like information. Yeah, here we go. A sub can be more than just a well-made meal. A sub can say something. Actually, a sub can say a whole lot of things about where it comes <laughs> from, about the people who made it, about how they made it. A sub can be a declaration. It's like that where it's, it's like, like an ear advert. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything is a snippet from the book. And uh, anyway, but the, going back to that, I think what reminded me of it is the idea of you being this philosopher who writes books. And there's this idea of like the inspiration happens, but you also worked your ass off to get to a point where you could write books. And yeah. that coupled, I think, with inspiration is what leads to being able to like output things. But this is more, yeah. we're not talking about that. We're not yeah. talking about output. We're talking about. But you're right. And, and, the, and the first thing, you, like going back even further than wanting to think without going into a, what's called a vicious regress, you, you can get to the point where you want to want to think. Yeah. And that's, that's good. So, so in other words, you kind of maybe like reflect for a bit and go, I would like to be the type of person who thinks well. I, don't, yeah. I actually don't want it, but I want to be the type of person who wants it. And that's a good first step because what Pascal would say, uh, he did this in terms of religion, but he said like the first step is not kind of wanting something as, as so much as wanting to want it. Uh, so you might look around and go, right, I, I don't care about thinking. I don't care about how to think well. Um, I really do just want to read books that kind of like, uh, you know, fit in with my worldview, mm -hmm. read simple stuff, read opinion pieces, clickbait, whatever. But I would like to not be that type of person. And what Pascal would say is basically, well, then look at what people do who do like to think and start emulating that. You don't want to do it, but just start pretending. You know, go to a couple of lectures, watch some stuff on YouTube, start kind of engaging in the in the uh, the rituals, the liturgical activities. Yeah. Dip your feet a little bit. Yeah, and 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 basically act as if you you do want pretend. It. Pretend, fake it till you. That's make like it. some cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy shit. There you go. Yeah, God, no, I don't like it. That's yeah, cognitive but, behavior, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is. It's kind of well. He, no, but the funny thing, Pascal would then just say, say you want it in the morning. Say speaker. no. But the trick of Pascal is that that actually that is your true desire, but hidden from yourself. So it's not that. So weirdly, what you discover by doing it is you discover the desire that was already there. But anyway, yeah. that's beside the well, point. That's also um, what they say about. Yeah. Uh, well. And there's Early cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy is not, it's not all bad at all. I think it's useful. It is not you know, all bad, yeah. It's not all bad. But, um, but yeah, so that, that idea of going, right, I want to be the type of person who wants to think. And it took me years, but I, I was telling you about last night. So it's Friday night. I live in Los Angeles. The, Los Angeles has lots of interesting things. Uh, you know, I get thankfully invited occasionally to, to some things that seem very, very cool and interesting. And yet, last night is a good example. It's Friday night. I don't go out anywhere. I don't. There's a couple of things I could have gone to, um, but I, from seven o'clock to around eleven thirty midnight last night, I just enjoyed thinking about a weird logical problem. Like genuinely, that's what I did with my Friday night, and I loved every minute of it. We have a lot of similarities in this area, Pete. I think okay. it's why we've gotten along, living together for two years so well. Is mm -hmm. there is a little bit of that, like when it comes to leisure not people not like yeah <laughs> there's a very simple like i can just sit and not like this is like i was thinking um to go back a second of what you were saying with the cognitive behavioral therapy thing too speaking of like le learning to think well i have a loose and malleable opinion and skeptical opinion on cognitive behavioral therapy and i like that i like that i have an opinion on it that is yeah. mostly informed by your it, adherence to the psychoanalysis and your sort of understanding that it conflicts with so many things in cognitive behavior or, or doesn't do it justice or whatever, vice versa. Anyway. Um, so I like 
the benefits of learning to think well or wanting to think well, I think, are stuff like that, which, again, goes back to the dividends just aren't that good. Like, it's not that cool that I have thoughts on cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> because at the end of the day, I don't care and everybody should do what they want to do that makes them happy. But uh, it's very funny that it's like, oh, I, I hear myself making a snide sarcastic joke about cognitive behavioral therapy, which I don't really know a ton about, but it's mm. just enough to have like a... Uh, you yeah. know, moment in the in our our chat about it, um, but it's like that's that's years of like sh- of going to my own therapist and then reading stuff and then hanging out with you and all these things and it's like this is there's no there's no benefit there's no like you don't get a reward for any of this stuff so anyway yeah. well, you, you know yeah you're right what is well, I guess the reward you do. Of a, yeah <laughs> well yeah amazingly although that took. Up to, up to the age of 40 before yeah. I suddenly weirdly was able to get some uh, make a living out of it yeah but the, but it is key I mean we talk all day about this but reward what is if anything the reward of thinking well because you know you kind of I want to give a little bit of a carrot mm-hmm. rather than just a stick right sure. what, what's the fun of it and like at a very basic level kids enjoy doing puzzles right the making things fit thinking well is this really pleasurable activity because what can seem bizarre when you enter into the world and you see some behavior that seems weird, you know, you watch somebody who is talking to themselves on the street or whatever, and you go like, what is going on there? That's an enigma. You just literally are going, I do not understand it. That's a great uh, metaphor, yeah, Yeah. or analogy. Yeah, because the the pure enjoyment, yeah, the pure enjoyment of, of starting to, yeah, piece things together and see connections between things it's a it's a pleasurable activity even totally. if it doesn't help anybody well, even if it doesn't so, do anything dude it's so, i do think that there is some and this is going to be me being my little whatever there's a little bit of self-love in the act of thinking well because it like you're saying you could have gone out and you could have mm-hmm. you know hung out with people and been social but they're like if you want to not be bored and you want to not feel um you know, like you're missing something or missing out on something, learning to think well and wanting to and desiring that, excuse me, is a way of, I think, insulating yourself and just being like, you're good. Like you're yeah. good to sit there and not nothing. You don't need stimulants. I think there's a very, I think it's a very nice, like it, you can just be in here all the time. It's a super cheap as well. Like, like where in terms of it doesn't it doesn't require wealth yeah Uh, it doesn't require looks it doesn't require fame it doesn't require popularity it's it's beautifully simple i mean and unless you have some sort of cognitive disability uh and even then you can think well within your abilities but it's it's something is within the grasp of everybody and in the past i have had the opportunity to go on holiday I have some friends who are wealthy and who will invite me, have invited me to do, you know, go to the Caribbean or whatever. And that doesn't interest me at all. I prefer to have a $15 book and that, and sit somewhere nice and read. Uh, and well, that I, is, Pete, I have great news for you. You could have both of those things. Yeah, but, and that's exactly it. It's like, I'm kind of going like, that is genuinely a cheap, and a, it's a, best thing you can do and it costs you 10 bucks dude yeah there's some kind of weird thing where it's like i went from a month ago i was dis disillusioned and i was looking into law school i was looking into not night law school um and like you know longer program and i was like i downloaded these apps you know for the lsa i was talking about this a little bit and like 
just to learn about something. And then coincidentally, we got this sponsorship at Valley Folk, which is a uh, a company called Skillshare, and it's like ten bucks a month or something like that. And it's all these classes that you can take. That and this is not a sponsored podcast, but it is a sponsor mm-hmm. of the Valleycast. I haven't done it yet, so I can't truly vouch for it. But it has all these things okay. that are like creative writing and then editing and like all and just tutorials and, and it's just learning and consuming and, and, and eating knowledge. Um, and it's all very wonderful. And then you know you combine that with like I've been looking into like the masterclass things just because it's oh, like yeah, well, yeah. damn. Some I mean, good, yeah. if a well lit celebrity is going to tell me how to be a well-lit celebrity then i will Mm. happily watch that and sign up for that but there's there's a shift that happens where it's like i want all the knowledge i'm gonna die i want to know as much as i can now before i die um but anyway yeah and then yeah so knowledge is one we should have called this podcast but anyway yeah but anyway yeah but yeah knowledge is good but i i want to put in a good word for not knowledge, but thinking well. Yes, which is, I know. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's a good distinction to make, and you're bringing it up. Is that like there is a distinction between kind of having certain skills and knowing how to do things for anything from public speaking to building bridges to you know just general knowledge. But thinking well is this weird thing where it's not even about getting information; it's about just understanding how to solve complex problems. Yeah. Um, and that that when that's what philosophy is in a way. So last night I was looking at there's this uh, problem called um, Bradley's regress, and it's a purely a thought experiment, and it's it's just a way of thinking. Well, it, all it is is a way of trying to think through a logical problem. So let's talk about Bradley's regress here. So here's how you explained it to me okay. before we started that's, this podcast. Okay, and you basically said if you. If I say to you, Pete, excuse me, that you are tall and uh, I look at a building, let's say the building we're in right now, I say it's also tall. That means we're talking about three things. There is Pete, there is building, and there is this idea of tall. And because, so some, so you have something in common with this building. You are both this thing. But you know we all know that the building is way taller than you are and so the and the idea of tall is connected can't exist without something that's shorter than it right well there it is there you go there you so that's at the (laughs) scale and there it is there it is my that's okay the best moments of these podcasts are when i get something where it's just i take a right turn or i just i get a little wrong and you go yeah, I don't think uh, we can redeem where this. Where do I begin? Yeah, where, where do I begin? Where, yeah, go. Um, no, it's not about the word tall, Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay. explain it. Well, so and what I was doing, and this gets even more weirdly complicated, is I was actually explaining a thing called the third man argument, which is very similar to the Bradley regress, but it's a bit easier to understand. So the third man argument... You were lying to me. Well, yeah, but they are, they are very If you're similar. a liar and this building is a liar, that means yeah. there is a thing... Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there is a thing. Yeah. Okay, there's a good example. Maybe, right? Well, the building is if definitely I'm a, liar, a liar. No, yeah, you're right. But I if I'm a liar... There. There's no coffee down there right now. Is, it, is there no coffee? There never is. They ripped out the entire thing. I think they're remodeling. There's no coffee. There's no... There's no cabinetry where the coffee... They're perpetually pretending to remodel. That's what I think the theory of this building is. They're always like looking like they're about to make it look nice. 
but uh, in two years, it hasn't really happened. They're going to start taking floors off the building pretty yeah. soon. They're be like, ah, we don't need to do that anymore. Um, so anyway. Oh, yeah. So if I am a liar okay, and you're a liar. Sure. Right? We relate to each other in some way. We're both liars, right? So we could be. Can we choose something besides lying? Okay, lying, yeah. I feel like because it's a counter to truth, then I feel like I'm going to get confused. confused. Okay. I can already feel myself a little yeah. confused. Okay, well, let's say, yeah, let's say the, let's say elephants are We're big. white. Elephants are white. Well, we are you're gonna, white. You're going you're gonna to get even more confused. That's a dope-ass elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be kind of cool. It's a pure white, yeah, like an albino elephant would be really cool. Anyway, yeah, okay. Okay, so, well, yeah, the, yes. the whiteness thing is good as well, right? I am white, and you're white. Yes. So we relate to each other in the sense that we're both white. Okay, you know what? Let's choose something besides white. <laughs> I know, I was thinking, is this politically Yeah, charged? yeah, yeah, that's a bad yeah, one. Okay. Uh, we are both brunette. <laughs> okay. I have brown hair, you have brown hair. Okay. I thought I had dirty blonde. Is that uh, what you call that? I don't know no. what you call that. No? No, I think that is brown, my friend. Wow. I think. Yeah, it probably hasn't been kind of blonde for 25 years. You're also years. colorblind. I just imagine. We shouldn't choose any colors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't notice change. If, you, if you've if you been going out with someone for 20 years and they come in and they've been made to look like they don't have an arm, most people won't notice. Oh, I'm dating notice. Grace. I've been dating her for six or seven months. I could come in without an arm to this she day. I don't think she would notice. Yeah. <laughs> when I do like haircuts and stuff, or if I trim my facial hair, she doesn't. And she told me right out, she's like, yeah, I'm never going to, I just don't oh, yeah. notice that. And I was like, it's okay. You just don't look at me. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, you could do it. You can do it. You could do a trick where you walk into the house wearing one thing, go into the bedroom, super quick change into something else and just walk out. And uh, nine times out of 10, the person will not notice that you're wearing completely different things. We did, we were painting an office space the other day. And um, speaking of this, I changed clothes. Mm -hmm. She, we were both painting and then Grace left to go take a phone call or do an email or something like that. And when she was in there, or no, she, we were just making a couple of drinks. We were, we were almost done and we were excited. And so she's in making drinks and I changed clothes. Except That's a change. Instead of, I know we yep. were switching it up. Well, it's <laughs> nice to cut loose. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Absolutely. It's nice to relax. Yeah. Um, she leaves and I immediately took all of my clothes off and I became completely naked, but I found a wig, an old mm. like long haired wig. And I was going as fast as I could because I was just because I wanted her to come in and me just yeah. be painting naked with a wig on. No one needs to know this story. <laughs> and uh, and then, but because she's an incredibly smart person, and because I'm not so bright, I didn't realize that I like was totally visible to her. Like she just <laughs> saw me <laughs> like stripping clothes off, and and I didn't realize that like she, from her line of sight, like she could see directly from the kitchen into the <laughs> office. And so then I just hear, "Are you naked with a wig on?" And um and I was like, "No, no." And uh, and then she came and she's like, "It's very funny." And I was like, "Yeah," but then I did it again later, and it was still so. I did it. She did notice. Yeah, when yeah, I changed that's a, that's and my a, birthday. That's suit. a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you didn't notice, you probably got a problems in the relationship. That might be a visual. She might need to go see a doctor. <laughs> yeah. at that or point. it's like the book of Eli. She's actually blind, and she's never told you. Yeah. Well, and she <laughs> is protecting the Bible. If there's one thing that's that, that girl ah, does, that's good. yeah, she this, protects. Well, that's what I've heard about Grace. One <laughs> the, thing about her: the Word of God is <laughs> is in her. <laughs> So if I, um, what am I, if I am brunette, brunette, and you're a brunette, we both, what color is brunette? I don't know. know It's brown. Is it brown? Okay. I got brown hair. You've got brown hair. We have something in common. Yes. And it's brown hair. Yes. Great. So what is that in common? There's there's three things. So there's me with brown hair. There's you with brown hair. And there's brownness, brown hair. Yes. So that's three things. So how do those three things relate to each other? 
and uh, the idea is this is kind of in Plato but is that well for those three things Plato it's like Plato yeah. it's very rare that you mention the the Platos in the Aristotle is that right so the old classic yeah. philosophers yeah this is an, a classic problem because because Plato had this kind of weird thing that the forms are themselves something yeah like re- redness is red anyway the point being there's a as soon as you get now you've got oh there's three things well how do those three things relate see and this the, is why i'm already not i'm like what i'm it's actually a boring this is, problem. you're actually killing my desire yeah. to think well it, right it is, it is a, no, it's a boring problem and, and this is what's surprising to me it's a good example because are my eyes dry or am i just rubbing them out of uh out of <laughs> anger you know i spent four hours thinking about this and it is boring to me like that's yeah the, but but it was interesting because it's it's a weird bizarre problem of, of a vicious regress but it, it's of no interest but it's of no value basically i mean it's it's of small value but but it's a bizarre bizarre problem yeah you're not going to solve the mysteries of the universe if you, if no. you think on this but well, that's fun. Ex- well although funnily enough right funny enough actually bradley who was thinking about this he this was one of his arguments for the the reason why everything is interconnected. So technically, he thinks that if you think about this long enough, you will have a type of LSD type of enlightenment experience and see the oneness of everything. Mm. So weirdly, you and my taking LSD is going to go quicker. But this thought say, experiment. Are you just needing a connection to get LSD? And this is this is like a poor man's like. Yes, this is a poor man's LSD. If yeah. you can't afford drugs do thought experiments because supposedly this will open up this whole crazy world but it you know who cares because brown i mean i still feel like i kind of i don't know how i was so wrong when i first pitched this no only because when you started to go you started to get into whether i was tall because i'm not tall and whether it's basically the oh, example no, the i used tall, with you, just in comparison the taller yes if we're both tall which we're, not, but if we're both tall it was wrong then we share tallness as well and then there's three things there's me who's tall you who's tallness. tall and there's tallness and then the question is well how do those three things connect and those three things must connect because they share something else in common and then, well, Why? that's four things. Because something... Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Is that right? Yeah. Because for something to relate to something, there needs to be some sort of connection, the yes. connecting third. But isn't but that then, the tall part? Yeah. Or the brown hair part? But then you've got the same problem. You've got a problem of, well, how did, if, if I relate to tallness, how, what's the relation between those two things? So there's this weird thing of if there's if if relations are external, then all you keep doing is postulating new forms of relation. I kind of in a tertiary from yeah. an aerial perspective can see down where maybe you're ta- what you're yeah. talking about. My worry is basically when people are listening to this and we're doing the opposite of what we want, which is making them want to think. <laughs> like no, I know. We're destroying, it, yeah. we're destroying their, their desire to think. We're oh, killing their spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have a good example of the desire to think. Can I give you this beautiful example? That we may have talked about this before, but so I'm teaching a course on C.S. Lewis, right? In a few weeks. And the reason why, by the way, I'm choosing him is because he's such a controversial figure. Like, some people think of him as a one-dimensional fundamentalist. Some people think that he's this great thinker of the, you know, of the mid-20th century. Yeah, I definitely went through a period of my life where I thought C.S. Lewis was about as smart, brilliant, and genius as you could get because he was an apologist. And yeah. he presented in—he's an old guy who had clout in yeah. the world as by way of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the Narnia series. And so— as a result of him being such an apologist, it gave 
his credibility yeah, to the credibility, world, yeah. Yeah, so. which is a good example of not wanting to think which is that idea of you know you want someone <laughs> else to think for you apologetics are a great example of not wanting to think that's yeah. a very funny yeah. <laughs> but it would also you know there's that idea of you know we all want someone who's really smart who thinks on our behalf and all we want to do is identify with that person yeah okay but c.s lewis it w- was interesting because he was a very smart guy but he did have some kind of quite you know, simplistic view. So he's a very complicated figure. So I'm doing a course basically to explore some of his better ideas and critique him, right? But he was also the founder of the Socratic Society in Oxford. So he got a, you know, he got a double first, I think, from Oxford, a super smart guy. Um, he was the founder of the Socratic Society and he did love nothing more than a good debate. Now, in February of 1942, I think, maybe 1948, uh, he brought out a book just before that called Miracles. Okay. And chapter three of Miracles was called The Self-Contradiction of Naturalism or something like that. And uh, Elizabeth Anscombe, who is one of the best philosophers of her generation in the UK, she was a Wittgensteinian philosopher. She was high, it was really interesting character. She was super conservative, Orthodox Catholic. She was not just pro-life. She was against contraception right she was like mm, whatever but she was fun. like sounds yeah. like a fun person to fun party with but she was like but she was like she was she always wore a monocle smoked cigars and always wore tr- wore trousers hmm. she went into hmm. a, a restaurant in boston where they said listen women aren't allowed to wear trousers and she just stripped stripped her trousers off <laughs> she's like in. a lesbian hippie <laughs> yeah she also by the way she was Who happened, of course so she hated she didn't like the idea of having children so she was she had seven she had seven kids and uh, who, she, then she definitely didn't like the idea of children. Yeah, who could you? Who could like? Well, children yeah, after, after seven? having seven kids, she probably hated the idea. Yeah, yeah. but she was mugged in Chicago, <laughs> and and she told off the mugger for being so uncivil to guests. And the mugger apologized to her. They started to talk, and then the mugger walked her back to your hotel, and then told her you shouldn't be walking in such a dangerous place. Like she was a fascinating woman. That's great. Yeah. Wow, very cool. She's very cool. So she debated C.S. Lewis, right? And she attacked this chapter from Miracles. And she attacked it because basically what C.S. Lewis was arguing was he was saying that naturalistic atheism is inconsistent. It is self-refuting, right? That That was the argument. He said, if you believe that reason just arises through a random set of cause and effect, then the belief that reason is just generated from a random sense of cause and effect comes from a random chain of cause and effect and therefore you can't be confident that it's right okay that's doesn't matter what his argument that, that's what he was arguing yeah, that's about. straight but, apologetics straight yeah. apologetics yeah absolutely and Anscombe who was more you can't be agnostic because if you're fully agnostic like truly fully agnostic, it means that you can't be certain about your own agnosticism and therefore you are only a partial agnostic. And if you are a partial agnostic, that means there is room for certainty. And the very thing then that you are arguing with your partial agnosticism is contradicted in the fact that you have, that you don't, that you're not fully agnostic. Okay. That is a similar structure. But it's also different. Yeah, you're basically yeah, it's yeah, the same type of de- self-defeating. Like, self-defeating. Therefore, yes. Jesus is the one, and then <laughs> like it all leads to that kind Lisa, of like. Yeah. Now there is like it is an interesting argument. So C.S. Lewis's version is a, is a is a solid enough version because basically there is a potential issue with the idea of reason arising from non-rational sources, right? 
So it's there is actually it's a, it's a it's a solid argument. I don't agree with it, but it's you know it's it's a solid argument. On C.S. Lewis's part, yeah, solid enough, you know, but 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 kind of wrong, right? So so Anscombe comes along as a super conservative Catholic, right? She's not a naturalist at all. She's not an atheist at all. Yeah, she's uh, pissed. She just got half mugged. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The she's restaurant got seven mouths to feed. Yeah, so she pants to sew and strip off of the whim on a whim. <laughs> she's ready for a fight. Yeah, <laughs> but the 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 beautiful thing about this argument, right, is that Anscombe defends naturalism and atheism, not because that's what she is but because she thinks that Lewis's argument is unsatisfactory. So you have this really interesting debate between these two figures. So he's kind of a conservative evangelical Anglican. She's a hyper-Orthodox Catholic. She is saying that his view of naturalism is incorrect, that you can believe in reason as a naturalist. She's a much better... She's a professional philosopher. She does a great job. So she's a hyper-Orthodox. So she's basically debating him on something where she doesn't agree with herself, essentially. She's still saying, like, you're missing the mark here. Like, I don't necessarily... Because if she's a hyper-Orthodox um, Catholic, wouldn't she Wouldn't she say... Wouldn't she be in agreement with... Yeah, well, see, that's the interesting thing, because she's not... Yeah, she, she is a hyper-Orthodox theistic Catholic... I know but, so little about Catholicism, by the way, that I can't speak. So, yeah, I don't know. I could. I, it, I'm very confused by Catholic. I don't you know. You should watch Dairy Girls. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Okay. Have you watched Dairy Girls? Is that like Pornhub or X Videos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, terrible joke. Yeah. Um, so, yes, she uh, she is not a naturalist. So you would imagine, right? Why would she want to defend naturalism? But her position is you can actually be a naturalist and be completely consistent. And so her, her, oh, love, I see. Yeah, her okay. love of reason was meaning that she was, yes, fighting for a community that she is not part of uh, against C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, to his credit, realized that he lost. Uh, now, there's a whole... There's a whole question as to how, how much he was defeated. Like, there are some people who say that that was him saying, I'll never write apologetics again. He stopped. He started writing fiction. He was completely changed by it. Some people say that's not the case. But regardless, he changed the chapter in the book, changed the title, changed the contents in, in light of the argument. He admitted to his Oh, friends, my God, the debate worked. Yeah, he got he got Something beaten. happened as a result of a debate. That yeah. alone is great and and both of them showed the love of thought over the love of being right yeah yeah, like neither yeah. of them really cared cool. about being right they both just loved the back and forth of thinking well and if you'd like to hear more about pete and his ruminations and c.s lewis as well mm. as his different ideas you can sign up now at patreon.com slash peter there you go wow <laughs> great podcast man all right that was fun all right we're out of here bye everybody bye, bye.